What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of SID Cast. This is season four, episode two, which is kind of weird, weird for me to kind of uh, kind of think about. Um, I appreciate all the love on episode one. I also appreciate all the love over on uh, over on Twitter um, and Facebook and everything like that. We are at 900 followers on Twitter. One of my goals is to get to 1,000. Um, if your team account, and I tweeted this out a little bit a couple of days ago. Um, if we are not following your team account, please let us know. Or if we're not following you or anything like that. We're not following your assistant. Um, you know, somebody you think should come on the show eventually. Uh, just let us know, at SportsInfoCast um, on Twitter, Facebook as well. Um, also, thank you to, and I can say this, thank you to our Patreon members, Patreon supporters, y'all. We do have a Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash SIDcast. There are two different uh, two different tiers that you can do. The first is a $3 tier, and the second is a $5 tier. Um, you, This is a monthly thing, so you get billed $3 a month, um, which is... Uh, if I could make it a dollar, I would, but $3 is the lowest that I could go, apparently. Uh, I would like to thank our three Patreon members, three Patreon supporters. And if you hear the dishwasher or the washer in the background, don't mind that. Uh, Eric Gibson, who is my dad, uh, Roger Horn, and Tyler Stotsky. Or Tyler, you got to you gotta tell me if I'm pronouncing that right for you. But those are our three Patreon members right now. Again, if you're interested in that, keeping the show afloat, um, because it's $20 out of my pocket every month, which is, it's it's $20 every month. And then I'm asking Patreon members to pay three every month. So there's quite the quite the disparity there. Um, but that's, this will keep the show going. Uh, one of my overarching goals for the show is to get a better camera, maybe do some video stuff. Um, I would love to just eventually long-term be able to sit down with people in their respective offices, take a camera, do a little tour, uh, kind of a day in the life type of thing. Um, that's my, that's my long-term goal. Of course, we're going to keep doing audio stuff and keep doing the same thing we've been doing for going on four and a half years now. So, uh, today I will stop rambling too much today. We do have, uh, uh, Bo White, the creative director at Cosida. Uh, Bo went, Bo kind of took a, a kind of a, a roundabout ish way. He, Started doing a different uh, different career path. His father actually might as well have been an SID. Um, then came back to the sport profession. Uh, worked a lot with uh, uh, Southeast Missouri State, if I'm remembering correctly, um, before eventually getting to Kansas. Working at Kansas for a long time, and then working at the company uh, Sprint uh, prior to uh, some things happening with that, and then ultimately landing at. Uh, Cosida. So we'll talk about all that and more. There's there's all sorts of things there this week, guys. So uh, super excited for you to hear this one. If you want episodes straight to your inbox every week, it costs zero dollars to sign up for our newsletter at Sports Infocast. Um, obviously, those are social media channels, but sidcast.substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K dot com. You will be able to, or you can just click on any one of the, uh, the, I guess that's why I mentioned the social stuff, but you can click on any one of the newsletter posts that we have, and it'll take you right to the newsletter post. And when you want that straight to your inbox, it'll have a subscribe now button. You click that, you enter your email, you click submit, and you're golden. And that, that's how, it's just super easy. Again, it costs zero dollars. It's not, it's nothing, nothing, you know, nothing like a, Super complicated, super simple, and everything. So, we will start off uh, episode 165 of SID Cast of Bo White of Cosida and uh, his sport background growing up right here. Yeah, you know, I grew up uh, playing ball uh, all the time, starting when I was probably two or three years old. And so um, I was always around ball fields. My dad was a high school coach. He's a, a PE teacher, all that kind of thing. And I, I've got a lot of family members who've worked in athletics too. So I've, I've always been very familiar with athletics and college sports in general. And um, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, I grew up in a division two town and so uh, 
I was always going to both high school and college sports and youth sports. So from the beginning, I've been, I've been around, the, I've been around games. Mm. Um, and how did the sports information part come about for you? I mean, what was it in college? I've, I've met very few people that knew what an SID was in high school. Yeah, I'm a little different. I mean, I would say, you know, if I was being stretching it a little bit, I mean, my SID type life started when I was maybe 10 or 11. Um, if I, if I wasn't playing, uh, sports, particularly baseball and, and basketball, I was usually keeping score for someone else's game. Um, so, uh, the parks and rec department, I, I, I knew the people who, who ran that and I wanted to keep the score and see, and, and back then we always had a score book. We kept a scoreboard and I would do all those things when I wasn't, when my team wasn't playing. And then as I got a little bit older into middle school and high school, uh, like I mentioned, my dad, he was a, he was a high school coach and, and, uh, he is, he created a baseball, a, a competitive baseball team for us. And he was coach, he was SID, he was reporter. He did everything for our team. And we would get stories in, in our local, you know, it was a small town and, uh, he would he would write stories and send them to the newspaper and and they and they would they would run them and and eventually it led to they would come and cover us and so I kind of started to learn about this kind of work by just the things that my dad did for for me and for my my friends and our team and and you know like I said I I, I would go to a lot of games so I grew up in Warrensburg Missouri. Central Missouri State are, I believe they're just called Central, Central Missouri. Missouri now. Yeah. yeah. So they, um, you know, I went to all their games. I went to a lot of Missouri Tiger games. I went to a lot of UMKC games in Kansas City. Um, and I would always get the program. And one of my favorite things about the program was looking at the page that showed all the headshots of the people who worked there. And so I would know who the people were. I knew who Bill Turnage was. He was the SID at Central Missouri. And, you know, I would sit up in this in the stands and I would watch the game. And of course I loved watching the game, but I would also watch the people who were working. And I did that from a very young age. So I am not one of those people who who would ever say, well, I didn't even know what the profession was or anything like that. I knew what it was. And um, but that didn't necessarily lead me towards it in the beginning. Yeah. Um when I graduated high school, I had, you know, like I said, I had a lot of family members who worked in sports and one of their biggest pieces of advice was don't work in sports. And, and my, uh, I had some, I had some teachers who, you know, like all of us, we had teachers that are interested in us and they, they all um, recognized some of my other strengths and they pointed me towards engineering. And so I, like I mentioned, I was, I was a ball player. So I was, I was good enough to play at a low level of, of college sports, maybe baseball. Um, but um, I let, I let some people influence me and I, and I went to, I went to Kansas state my first year of college and uh, for an architectural engineering major. And it took me about, uh, I'd say by the end of the first semester, I knew I was in the wrong place. And, um, and so from there, I, uh, I finished the year. I didn't go well. Um, but, um, I transferred to Missouri state, Southwest Missouri state at the time. And, um, and before I enrolled in any classes, before I, uh, before I uh, figured out where I was going to live, I went into the, to the athletic department and I, and I asked them if they would give me a job working in the SID office. And, um, and they said, well, yeah, if you're, if you become a student, you know, we'll give you a shot. And, um, so all in one day I went in, I asked for that job. I went and enrolled for some classes and I, I got a spot in the dorm and a couple of weeks later I started school. That's really, that's really where my official SID work yeah. started as a student at Missouri state. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's always something whenever I talk to people and even myself included, uh, you always do something kind of when you're a kid or something like that. And then you, you, you might think, you know, well, what I did, those hobbies that I did, you know, those, those play that fantasy that I always did, uh, didn't really do anything or didn't really do anything for me. Not necessarily. That was just kind of your soul telling you what you were good at. Like we're kind of mm-hmm. leading you in the right direction. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people that have had that uh, kind of experience, myself included, to where I look back on the things I do and I still do just in my spare time. And I'm like, it totally makes sense that I'm here now. Absolutely. I mean, one thing my dad, he, he still says it all the time, is that uh, whatever you whatever was your favorite thing to do, uh, in elementary school, or I think he sometimes says third grade, but whatever, whatever your favorite thing to do is when you're that age, you're going to end up wanting to do something that's related to that as, as a career. And so when I was that age, I was making baseball cards of myself. I was making little media guides of my team. I was taking, you know, it was very primitive. I was taking photos you know you had to go get it developed and then you taped it onto a piece of paper and you wrote Uh, your stats next to it that's what I was doing when I was that age yeah I did it with my stuffed animals I used to run leagues with them and I used to take the I used to do the cards I used to do the the making the schedules and and I would you know enact the games and everything like that it's 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 funny how it all works out but um, just, just off your background, you're talking about your dad there, there for a little bit. What was his motivation for doing all that for you guys? Well, yeah, like I said, what we, we were kind of a small town, so it, it was a town where they could really only hold like one competitive team. Um, and so I guess, I guess what really started was when I was in sixth grade, see, baseball was always my favorite sport. You know, I still love it. And I I love to play and I coach my own son's team now. But um, I, you know, when, when you're a decent player, and you have to play with people who maybe haven't played before, it starts to wear on you as you get older. And, Mm -hmm. And so that that happened to me. And I, I think sometime in sixth grade, I told him, uh, I don't think I want to play anymore. And he's like, that's ridiculous. You love playing baseball. So he formed a team for us, uh, you know, of the best players in our town. And we went and we played teams in other towns. It was, I wouldn't call it travel ball because, I mean, we didn't go very far. Um, But we got in some leagues with some other towns, played in a few tournaments. And, you know, this is the 90s, so it's nothing like it is now. But, um, yeah, so we did that. And, you know, what possessed him to to go that extra mile to want to get us in the local newspaper and, and do things like that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I think that it was just things he was interested in, in doing himself. So um, we definitely all appreciated it. Maybe your dad was meant to be an SID too. Well, like, yeah, I mean, he, he, that's just very much the way his mind works and he's much more of a coach than an SID, but like he, he is definitely has the mentality of somebody like an SID that does a lot of different things. So definitely an influence there. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about Missouri state a little bit. Um, What were some things, obviously you walked in, you're like, I I would like something here. Um, But prior to that at Kansas state kind of talk me through the mentality because I've been there too, to where I was at a place, a school, and I too realized that I'm not a good fit here. Like I'm just, not interested in being here. Um, what was that like for you uh, kind of breaking through that and then getting onto the next place? I mean, I'm sure you were much happier after that. I know I was. Yeah. Well, you know, I really loved, I really loved it in Manhattan. I loved going to Kansas state. Uh, that was the first year that the big 12 conference was formed. So I still have my ticket stub from going to the first ever big 12 football game between K state and Texas tech. You know, I, I really enjoyed my time there, but the, the program that I was in, it just, I had no motivation. Um, so, you know, I, I probably would have been happy staying in Manhattan, but, um, I would have been an out of state student at that point. Like I was getting some scholarships and some in-state tuition 
And so it just wasn't really a very financially possible thing for me to stay. So I had to go back to Missouri, you know, where I was from. And, you know, at that point, um, I wasn't, it took me all summer to try to figure out what am I going to do next? And what it came down to was, um, I felt like I wanted to work in college athletics. And I, at the time, um, you know, I was very familiar with everything at Central Missouri. Um, and I wanted to go someplace else, but I didn't want to go too big and I didn't want to go too small. And so Missouri State felt right for me. Yeah, it was the same way with me at USI. I wanted to get to a place to where I still had a hand in stuff. I could still do stuff, but not have an internship to where all I did was hand a microphone to somebody and then that was my internship. So I uh, completely relate with you there. How did your duties evolve at, uh, at your new place? I mean, uh, was there anything you weren't really expecting to, to do or come out of it? At Missouri State? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, when, when I went in, um, you know, I had all these experiences from, you know, like I said, from young age up through high school. But most of my sports, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of experience, you know. So I went in ready to learn everything. And um, Mark Stillwell was my boss there. He's a Cosida Hall of Famer as of a couple of years ago. And I learned a lot about, you know, a lot of us, when we're 19, 20 years old, we think we know a lot of things and we don't really know much at all. So well, nothing, yeah. I learned, I learned a whole lot about how to work, how to be uh, responsible. I thought, I thought I was responsible, but, you know, I really learned some important things that, you know, have influenced me for the rest of my life. I, I tell you the, one of the, one of the biggest lessons that I learned. So my very first thing that I did, so I went in, I asked him if, you know, if there would be any sort of student work there and, you know, he looked at me kind of skeptical, you know, and he said, well, why don't you come to the football game this weekend and we'll give you a job and we'll, we'll just take it from there. We'll see how it goes. And my job was to keep the participation chart. And, uh, so that game was on Saturday. I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday when I came in next to, to work and, um, he called me in and he said, how, how did you think it went? And I said, well, you know, I had a good time. I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know. I, I didn't have much to say. And, and he said, well, let me tell you how it went from my perspective. He said, I need, I, I need every job to be done perfectly. And, and there was one person that got in the game that you didn't mark as played. And I said, really? And apparently, you know, there was a guy, who, who played one play and I didn't see him. And he said, he said, so we're not going to need you this weekend. And, um, he's like, he's like, I'm not sure if, if we're going to have room for you or not, but, um, we'll, we'll just see what happens. You just keep coming in for your office hours and we'll see. And so, I mean, that was an eye opener. I mean, like I think about a lot of people, now i mean it sounds so small missing one person on the participation chart but like that was my introduction was if i'm going to give you a job you're going to do it right or you're not going to be here how did that feel when he said that well you know it, it it made my heart drop because you know like i said that was the first that was my number one priority was to go get that work experience in that office and i was at this point i wasn't even positive what i was going to major in at Missouri State. Um, I was taking a journalism class, a business class, you know, I was taking some different things, trying to decide what I was going to do for sure. And so, you know, that's a, that's an eye opener. And like, I don't like to let people down, like a lot of, like a lot of SIDs, they don't, you know, and uh, I don't think I ever let them down again. It's a perfect little turnaround. Um, yeah, obviously you came in for your office hours and everything and uh, you're going through the next couple of years of your life. I mean, how did that, how did that all shape up for you? I mean, you said you never let them down again. I mean, what was their reaction and how did you uh, kind of evolve in this uh, role? 
Well, you know, you come in as a young guy that doesn't know how to do anything and you're kind of a twerp and, <laughs> and then, you know, that, that office was set up to be three full-time people. So Mark plus two assistants and two graduate assistants. And then any student help was just kind of whatever. By the time I finished there, for various reasons, you know, people leave or whatever, we only had two full-time people, one GA and then me. And we had a couple of other students, but none of them were as invested like I was. They were just doing it because it was something fun to do. And I think that by the time, you know, my I finished there, you know, like I was I was sitting in on all the all the meetings and and all that. So like, I definitely worked my way up into a place where I was, where I was trusted. I was given sports, you know, I don't think they had done that. Like I had never seen any other student get a sport in my time there. So I had six of them actually. So, um, well, well there you go. <laughs> That's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, I, it just everything went exactly how I wanted it to go, and it and it really thanks to the to the things he would trust me with. I mean, he was a big St. Louis Cardinals fan, and one day he said we had our spring football game, and he said, "You think you could handle the spring football game if I went to the Cardinals game next, this weekend?" And I said, "Well, what do you need me to do?" And he said, and he said, and he he outlined every single thing. You know, this is small division one football. So we only were going to have one media person. It's not a big production. Mm. Um, and again, it's in the 90s. So it's a different time. But um, he just outlined exactly what stats he wanted me to keep. He said, here's the story from last year. Write something similar to this. And I'll see you next week. And um, I don't think he would have ever trusted another student to do that. So. Yeah. That's happy. pretty yeah, that's pretty fun. Um, yeah, talk about building up the trust ladder a little bit. I mean, obviously, you, you said your heart dropped when the, the first assignment that you really had. I mean, a lot of people, it seems today, uh, when they get to a spot or they get to a position or they get to something new that they expect trust and they expect, you know, full-blown uh, support immediately. I mean, what would you say to those that need to kind of build up the rapport of, you know, this level of trust that they need to get to before they get the support that they need. Well, yeah, you definitely, I mean, at Missouri state, we definitely had to earn it. And that wasn't just the students. That was also some of the full-time staff. And quite frankly, um, some of the, some of the full-time people that came through there didn't, didn't last very long because um, they wanted that trust right away. And they wanted that autonomy to be able to do their job right from the get-go, but that wasn't that wasn't the way it worked there. Um, you had to you had to really prove yourself, and you had to earn certain responsibilities. At least that's how I felt, and that's 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 just how it went, you know. And and once, but once you proved that you could do something you were going to get something else. And uh, one, you know, just kind of like I said, you know, like, I don't think, I mean, certainly with my, in my first year there, I might not have even been invited to the spring football ball, football game, but by the time it was over, I was the only one at the spring football game. And it, you know, I mean, it's just, I, I'll give you another example. Um, we were also very protective of our computers. And so our baseball SID, who was our graduate assistant, he would take the computer out there and score games. I was in charge of softball and which was just right outside of our, of our basketball arena where our office was. And um, I was not allowed to take the computer out there for a long time, just out of nervousness that something would happen. We didn't have a press box there like, like we did at baseball. So there's weather to consider. And then, you know, can I be trusted not to break it and those kinds <laughs> of things. And it took a long time to earn the trust to be able to take the computer out there 
So normally I had to keep a paper book and then come inside and then put it in the computer. So like, it, like I said, it was a different time and, but it really instilled in me the, the you're not just gonna be handed things and you, you're not just gonna get that trust without proving yourself, so to speak. It takes a lot of time and it takes consistent effort too, to me as well. I mean, yeah. you've got, you've got to be able to communicate. I, I was having this discussion with our AD today because I was, I was coming up with all these goals in my head that I wanted to do and the things I wanted to achieve. And um, then it, it dawned on me that I didn't ask anybody else <laughs> how I fit into that or how I can help that, you know? <laughs> so I went into the AD's office today and I was just like, hey, um, what do we need to do? You know, what are we doing? Well, what are we doing? Not so well. And he was flat out honest. I didn't take it even personally. I mean, it was just, I'm new and it's obviously going to take time to build that repertoire of um, being the guy in the office. So uh, that's just something, be a little bit more patient with yourself is another thing I, I would say as well. Yeah. Patience is, is key. Yeah. Um, back to your background here a little bit. It was time to leave Missouri state and, and kind of go off on your merry way into the, the fun world that is adulting. So um, what was life like at that time for you? I mean, there's, there's some gaps to fill, obviously, before we get to Cosida, but like, what were you looking at? How, where was your headspace like at that time? I mean, spare no detail for us. Sure. So yeah, when I was getting ready to graduate from Missouri State, um, I think there was some expectation that I would stay there and be the graduate assistant. And I was not interested in that, not because I didn't love Missouri State, because I, I still, I do. Um, but I, I just didn't have any interest in any more school. Um, it was not my number one priority when I, on my first day there. So I certainly didn't want to continue. Um, and what, and like I said, what, what I mentioned before is like when I went, the, when, when I went to Missouri State, I didn't want to go too big or too small. I kind of wanted something medium. But at this point, when I was looking for an internship or even a full-time job, if I could get it, I, uh, my mindset at that time was that I wanted to go as big as possible. Um, I really wanted to see what uh, the so-called big time basketball or football was and both if I could. <clears throat> and so I applied for um, jobs all over the country. And I think that my mindset at that time was I want for my internship, I want to go as big as possible and I want to go to a, a different part of the country. I'd been around Kansas city my whole life mm -hmm. and uh, I'd been as far West as Manhattan and as far South as Springfield and hadn't gone much farther than that period. Um, and um, so I applied everywhere and I got a ton of interviews uh, at great places, places I would have loved to have gone and, you know, it's hard to get a job. Um, it's actually easier to get an internship than a job, but yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I had, I had some, some great opportunities uh, to interview with some really big people at, at big schools. And um, I was starting to get a little bit, a little bit nervous because it was taking longer than I expected it to take. I think I think I was getting into June and I didn't and I don't think I had anything. It was at least late May. And um, anyway, I I had a couple of things lingering out there. Um, I was waiting for some calls. Uh, some places I really wanted to go. And and honestly, the place I had circled. <laughs> I wanted I really wanted to go to Wake Forest. And one of the reasons was because I had a relative that worked there and um, who just loved the area. And I was like, yeah, I would love to go live in North Carolina for a year. Beautiful out there. Um, so I, uh, I interviewed with Wake. I interviewed with Duke, Connecticut, uh, North Carolina, UCLA. I mean, the list goes on. There's 20 of them probably at least. And some of them had already made their selections and some of them I, I thought I had a really serious chance with. And then the guy at Wake Forest calls and says, I'm not going to hire you. 
um, but I really want to. Um, and I want, I'm going to call my friends at Kansas because that's close to you and tell them that they should, they should look at you. And so I was like, okay, thank you. You know, I mean, that's very nice. And, and I hung up and my first reaction was like, are you kidding me? I, I, I was a Missouri kid. I'd grown up, my family hates Kansas. Um, I'm not, I'm not near as passionate about that, as, but there are people, there are people I am related to that probably still resent me for, for going to Kansas. But, um, he said he was going to do that. And I still, there was a couple of places I really wanted to go and they were dragging their feet. Well, the next day Kansas called and they offered me the internship. And I was like, wow, this is great. Um, <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sure how to react, you uh -huh. know? And I said, you know, I thanked them. I talked to them for a little bit and I said, I'll let you know tomorrow or the next day or whatever it was. And I think I was still holding out hope that I was going to get a call from one of those other places. And, you know, I thought, so I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and, um, the, what it came down to was quite, I, and I've told him this is that Doug Vance worked at Kansas at the time and he had been a recent president of COSIDA. And I thought, who better to be, to get a connection with than, than him? Um, you know, I felt like that was, if I went there, I was going to get that big time basketball that I wanted. Not so much the big time football, but I was going to get the big time basketball. And, um, and I was going to get to be around Doug Vance, who was to me, a Titan of, of the profession. And, and so I, so I told, I told, I said, yes, you know, I said, I'm going to come and they were Everybody's excited. And the next day, Missouri called and said that they were going to offer me their job. And I said, well, I just accepted the job at Kansas yesterday. And then, and so, you know, you can imagine how that went. Yeah. But anyway, that's kind of a long story of, of how I went from Missouri State to Kansas and how I went through all these interviews and I had all these ideas of what I wanted to do places I wanted to go. And I ended up as close as I could to home and, uh, thanks to, and I got it. Thanks to somebody who made a call on my behalf. I didn't even apply. So. Funny how those things work out. <laughs> um, so just a really, really important question. AJ answer to work at Cosida. Do you have to, is it a requirement to have to have a connection to Kansas? It seems. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think that that's a requirement. I mean, uh -huh. Tell that to your second shelf we, over there. We have a few people, but yeah, yeah. it's fair. not a requirement. Gotcha. Well, you only had one year at Kansas, right? I mean, what was it? Well, moving no, I had on. 10. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, holy crap. I thought, I thought this was like a one year internship for you. So how did this like kind of come about for you? Yeah. So I went, I ended up being at Kansas for 10 years. And, um, after that internship year, I was, I was a track and field contact. And, um, the other intern was the softball women's soccer contact. So that's just how it was set up at that time. And we shared a, a small space that was about eight by eight, but, we, we had a fun year and um, when it was over and we were all, we were both uh, applying for jobs. We were applying for a lot of the same jobs. And um, I was getting really frustrated because she was getting a lot of interviews mm -hmm. and she actually got, she actually got the job that I wanted and I was getting no interviews. Well, I don't know the exact details, but it turned out that I think that, that uh, my my coworkers were were helping her more than they were helping me because they had planned to keep me, um, but they weren't telling me that. So mm. um, that would have been nice I, to know, huh? 
<laughs> so I was out there laboring, trying to get a job. And at this point, I was, I was good for anything, big, small. It didn't matter to me. Um, any job will do. Um, but I was happy to stay. And I learned at Cosida 2002 in Rochester, New York, uh, that I was going to get to stay and be the women's basketball contact. So that was a big, that was a big day. And I stayed nine more years. <laughs> well, I'm sorry for undercutting you. I, I said one year. I guess I should have <laughs> added a zero onto that, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so, so I was the women's basketball contact for uh, the first five or the next four years. So, um, that was that was great. You know, um, I always wanted to work with in in baseball. So, like that when I was applying for jobs, I was really honed in on the ones that had a baseball component but women's basketball was what was was available to me and i i don't i mean i wouldn't change anything about it i loved it i, I got to work for two different head coaches uh one of my favorite things that i i did was uh one of the first things i did was nominate lynette woodard for the naismith basketball hall of fame and uh, it wasn't too hard to do. She's, she's a legend, but, uh, she always, I, she would always thank me repeatedly. And I would say, Lynette, uh, it was no brainer. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> she's like, but no one else did it, but you. And I was like, okay, awesome. you're welcome. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I did that for, for four years. And then I had always had a, a graphic, um, uh, you know, that was my favorite part of the job. So this is, what are we in now? Early 2000s up to about 2006 or so. And um, uh, I loved creating media guides, but I loved doing the other stuff too, the actual graphic stuff. And at that time, the graphics were pretty basic. Um, nothing like you would have seen on National Signing Day oh, just no. the other day. No. But... Um, <laughs> We had a graphic designer at Kansas who was one of one of my good friends, and I just I spent a lot of time with him. I admired the work he did. I would say he, whether he knows it or not, he influenced a lot of, you know, some things I took an interest in at that time in my career. And then he left and he moved to California to take a job, uh, doing some really cool design stuff and and. Um, so I was put on the committee to hire his replacement and we brought in a bunch of people and we didn't like any of them. And I was sitting there kind of thinking to myself, you know, I would kind of like to do this job. Um, but I didn't really have any the portfolio. Real basis. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have the portfolio. I mean, my stuff was, was nice, but it was, it was just SID graphic design. And, but then I don't remember who it was, but somebody else suggested it. They were like, Bo, you can do just as good or better than any of these people that we've brought in. And like, I don't know whose idea it was, but like, I was all for it. You know, I was like, I was like, you guys are going to have to just uh, be patient with me as I, as I learn some new things. Cause I, I mean, like I, really good at Photoshop, but you're going to ask me to do this and this and this, and I'm going to have to learn it. Mm -hmm. uh, but for some reason they let me do it. And, um, so the last five years I was at Kansas, I was the, uh, I was the full-time graphic designer. I was one of the main statisticians. For, I was for football and most of the time for basketball. And uh, I traveled, uh, in a, like an SID, uh, assistant SID type role uh, for football and, and basketball. So I really got to do all the things that I loved the most about the job. And I didn't have to do as much of the stuff that I didn't, I didn't like. So um, it, it, the last five years, it was like really my ideal job. And I, and I kind of got to create it, um, which you know, I'm, I'm just grateful for that opportunity. Well, could you imagine some graphic designers now also being the football statisticians? Like that was a requirement. That would be like, that would be wild for some of these people to just kind of 
you know, be designing by day. And then, you know, on Saturday, they got to go and uh, take care of the, you know, FDS powerhouse games. That'd be funny to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I did a lot of different things. And uh, like I said, it was all the things I liked to do. So it didn't bother me too much until my kids started to grow up and I wanted a little bit more. Uh, well, like, I'll just put it this way. Like we had a, a year where we had quite a bit of turnover in our office. And so the people that came in, you know, didn't have the exact, it wasn't plug and play there. They didn't have the exact same skills as the people who left. And so, you know, quite frankly, we had a little bit of a difficult transition year where I had to take on some things as we were bringing some other people along. And I went in one day and said, and I had calculated, I had spent 58 days in the last academic year or 58 nights away from my family that I hadn't in the past, you know, whether it was traveling to a game or scoring a game, there were 58 nights I didn't get to tuck my son into bed that I should have. And um, I told him that didn't work for me. And um, I, I either needed a, some kind of compensation for the added responsibility or we needed to Cut the speed up speed up the training on some yeah. some other people and to no surprise we sped up the training on some other people but um yeah i i really enjoyed those those years for sure yeah but i guess that kind of answers my next question is if this was your ideal dream job then why leave it but i mean you kind of answered it it, ma it makes total sense too i mean I'm not afraid to ask for things and if and when I have kids, probably, apparently, according to my fiance, um, I'm going to ask for the same thing. I mean, it's not like, I, I, I'd like to think, I would like to think that there are people out there that would allow that wiggle room. You know what I mean? And if not, you need to find a situation that allows that, right? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that that was the only reason I left. Though. Right. I mean, I, I, I would not. I would not put that sort of thing on my, on my family, first of all, but, um, I didn't mean it like that. You know what I meant, but no, I know what you mean, yeah. but, but I'm saying like, there were a lot of factors. I mean, um, I didn't get a raise my last three years that I worked there. And, and when I left, they replaced me with two people. I mentioned all the things that I did. They replaced me with two people and one of them made 16,000 more than I did. And one of them made 17,000 more than I did. So I think that that was significant and it really, it really kind of justified where my head was at. And yeah. then, and then another piece, another piece of that is, um, it was a hard time for, for Kansas. I left yeah. there in 2011 and we were going through a lot of rough things. And my, my mindset at that time was, this is not worth it to me. I, I didn't, I wasn't making enough money. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was getting uh, the respect that I, that I thought I'd, I had earned. And, and then on top of that, we had people, um, I mean, we had some people go to prison that worked in our athletic department that year um, for some things. So mm -hmm. I, I just was ready for a new environment and I, when I left there, I mean, I'll just go ahead and move on, I guess, but no, when you're I left fine. There, you're going to answer all my questions ahead of time. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, but when I, I left there, you know, my wife was very happy with her job. She's, she, um, had been there for the whole time that I had been at Kansas and, um, she made way more money than me and I didn't feel like I had any business disrupting um, what she loved. And so I was, we were stuck to the Kansas City area. And so I looked for some, some jobs in sports and, and didn't get them. Um, and, I, and I ended up working at Sprint, the phone company. Um, and uh, I worked in their corporate headquarters. So I didn't work in a store or anything like that. And, and the work that I did there, I like to describe as game notes for phones. So every, every week I put together 
what I'm calling game notes for the people that worked in, in stores. And so it would give them details about the offers and, you know, salesy stuff. Yeah. And, um, but that's what I did next. And, and, and the reason I did it was not because I wanted to leave sports, but was because I was trying to stay in Kansas city. Yeah. So how did you join Cosida? Uh, if I didn't already know via the people mm -hmm. that are associated with it now. Right. So, so when I left, when I, when I say I left Sprint, I didn't have a choice. I, I was laid off, which is something that a lot of people are dealing with right now. And it, and I was laid off after a terrible year. So I can, I can tell that story real fast too, is in uh, very early January of 2015, we got a corporate email from the CEO that I don't remember exactly what it said, but you read, you could read between the lines and you could know that a big layoff was coming And And that was normal at Sprint. Um, I, I survived probably four or five layoffs. And the first one that I experienced, I had all the same emotions that everybody in our profession is having right now. Every time they hear a layoff, I was outraged. I couldn't believe it. Um, why wasn't everybody else as mad as me? And the reality is, is that was, it was a culture in, in the corporate world is that layoffs are normal and nobody was worried about them because they were all confident they were going to get another job, probably be hired back in a different, in a different role, right. in a different place. And it just was not, uh, it was not the end of the world, which, which is, you know, kind of how a lot of people feel right now. And but that's certainly not how I felt about it. And, and so then when, so when we got that email in January, 2015, they, it became clear that the way it was worded, that this was going to be bigger than ever. And so it, it did start to instill some fear into people. And so we spent all of that year, people weren't buying a new car that they planned, or they weren't going on a vacation. They weren't spending their money because they were scared. And it was an entire year and the whole time we were we had december 17th circled on our calendars that we felt like if we made it to december 17th we'd that's be today and be, that's right uh, and was wild. and that's because and that's because on december 17th that's exactly two weeks until the end of the year if they were going to give you a two weeks notice and um you know once December 18th rolls around, then you're getting paid into the new year and it costs the company more money. And um, so December 17th came and went and we all started to relax. And then like the first week of January, 2016. So it's been almost exactly a calendar year. They laid off half the company. And it was shocking and I'll never forget my supervisor calling and she was in tears. She was so upset. I think she saved me for last. So she had had a hard day of telling like 10 people they were let go and it was terrible. And all this is a long story to tell you how I got to Cosida, but um, I was unemployed um, starting in early January, 2016. And so I had already at that point been doing some freelance work for Cosida for two or three years. Um, probably no one knew, but like a lot of the stuff that people would see, particularly at the convention, like some of the signage and stuff I, I had done and, you know, just small jobs here and there, I would do the corporate member brochure or some sign or something just because they, they didn't have anyone on staff that could do that kind of stuff. And it would save them from spending more somewhere else. Uh, you know, it was not something I was doing to really try to make money. It was more right. just to be helpful. And, um, but then I became unemployed. And so now I am desperate, um, desperate for money, desperate to figure out how to buy insurance, all that stuff. And so it was at that time that I had some, some really key people coming through for me. And, um, 
you know, you can network to your heart's content, but people who are laid off, what they need is somebody who can do something for them, who can either find, who can either pay them to do something or know somebody who can pay them to do something. Everything else is okay. Thank you for your kind words, but you know, I mean, you forget it because you're back focused on the panic that you're in. And, and that's how I was for most of 2016. Um, but one of those people that came through me, came through for me was Doug and, mm -hmm. and, um, Doug said, um, you know, I don't have a job for you, but, um, I can probably get you some more work and, why don't you start billing me more appropriately? You know, because like I said, I had never really, uh, sometimes I wouldn't even bill, you know? Um, mm. and, and that, that I, I had that going with, with several people, um, during that time, you know, like I said, I, I got to do a little bit more with Cosida. Um, I got to, uh, I worked with an architecture firm through a friend that I knew. I worked through uh, a city government because I knew somebody that worked there. And that was actually the job I thought I was going to get. I thought I was going to be working in city government as their graphic designer. Um, it was all but a done deal until the day I was supposed to start. And then they said, we're not going to hire you. So, um, and I worked for a, a frozen yogurt chain doing all of their, uh, um, marketing graphics. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was through another friend. So there was about three or four friends that really gave me some opportunities while I was unemployed. Uh, but I did a good job, I guess, uh, for, for Cosida. And so it, it continued to progress and it went from freelance to part-time. And then, um, like Doug would never promise me any, anything. Um, and, you know, it wasn't really his decision. It was the board's decision. But um, over time, finally, February 1st, 2017, I became full-time. So it was a gradual process mm -hmm. over many months of me going from freelance to part-time to full-time. Yeah. Last question before we got to move on here. Um, what's it like just branding from a branding or design standpoint, being at a, a university versus being, uh, I mean, you're, like you said, you're still in sport, but you're a part of an association now. I mean, what's, what's the difference to you? You know, it's a pretty big difference. Um, you know, when you work at a school, um, particularly a school like, like Kansas, you know, you've got, uh, a lot of other professionals around you, you know, um, so much of why I was able to produce great stuff and, and learn so fast is because I had a world-class photographer providing me all the assets that I needed. Um, I had other people um, that I could ask to help or, or um, you know, even if they weren't um, necessarily graphic designers or, mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, like uh, I was great friends with the people in the video department and the marketing department. And there was just so many different people that you could work with to come up with ideas and solutions and, and, uh, third parties, you know, like maybe the marketing, uh, office would, would, uh, outsource a poster or something to an agency, you know, get involved you know like even though you're not the one like you there was a lot of opportunities like that so with cosida you know we're just a small small group there's five full-time people and now we have an intern this year which is awesome um but um it's much more like one-man shop type situ situation in the sid world where um i'm the only one on staff that's making that's making the graphics and they can tell me if they think it looks good or not, but they can't tell me how to, how to fix it or, right. or anything like that, <laughs> you know? So, um, it, it's very, it's very small, which, which I kind of enjoy, you know, um, when I was at, when I was at Sprint, I worked on a team, uh, like I said, I, we did the, the game notes for phones, like I described, 
so that was a packet that was about 15 to 20 pages, I would say, of, of information. And there were six of us that split that up every week. So I was responsible only for two or three pages um, a week. And so that just sounds insane compared to the volume of work that an SID does or that I, or that I do now. Um, if, if, uh, if I worked for a corporation and they were trying to staff the, the work that I do now, like they did when I was at Sprint, I mean, it would be 15 people, you know, I mean, like it's, it's insane. So like the, the difference really is that not everything that I do has to be, uh, well, you just have to prioritize things, you know, you got to understand what's, and that's the case everywhere, but like, you know, really understand not just to prioritize, but, but what's going to make an impact. Right. And, um, and so I would say that that's my biggest thing now is that when I was out of school, I was, I was filling orders, you know, we need this recruiting brochure. We need this fundraising book. We need this poster. We need this media guide. And, and now, and, and that was based on so many other people and what they needed. And now it's still that way a little bit, but really it's uh, how can I best serve the membership and how can I be always thinking of creative ways to do things so I can get it done as efficiently as possible. Gotcha. Well, uh, as we're bumping up against time here, but uh, I'd like to ask you some fun questions, rapid fire ones, if, uh, if you're ready for them. I guess I'm ready. <laughs> uh, in your professional tenure, what's your favorite memory, if you have one? My favorite memory? Well, I guess, you know, when I was at Kansas, you, there's nothing that really beat the 2007-8 school year, which was, by the way, that year I was talking about earlier that was our transition year where I had to do a lot more things. Um, but that was the year Kansas won the Orange Bowl mm -hmm. and won the national championship in men's basketball. And I was the only member of our office that was in attendance for both. And I have the rings displayed back on my shelf here. Uh -huh. And um, that was a pretty special year. And I did, and, and per just selfishly and personally, I, uh, I accomplished a lot that, that year that it's just a really memorable year. Gotcha. Um, when you, oh, uh, sorry, fumbled over my words there. Uh, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Well, I mean, when you say in this profession, you know, I'm not an SID. I'm mm -hmm. a, I work, I work in association management. And so, um, and I, and I'm a graphic designer, so we could be talking about a lot of different things here, but, um, I think the thing that I am really trying to learn more about right now is where the athletic communications profession is going. Um, because a lot of people think they know what they're doing, where it's going, or they know their own personal situation. Um, but one thing we have a real advantage with uh, on the coast side of staff is that i mean just today i was i had interaction with somebody from every level of college athletics and not everybody has that and and it's really different uh i think where the profession is going depending on what level you're at and that's not just saying well there's a difference between division one and D3 or NAIA, I'm saying there's a difference between power five and mid-major. Um, so that's something that I think is really interesting and something that, that I spend a lot of time on is trying to understand who our members are and who our members are going to be as we, as we keep, you know, as the years go by. Gotcha. Uh, when, you're not in your, when you're not in the office, what do you do to have fun? Oh man, this could go on a while. I hope you got time. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I have a lot of hobbies and uh, my, my coworkers would be upset if I didn't mention my affinity of, for playing disc golf. Uh, 
but uh, I own a lot of Frisbees, but um, I really just like being outdoors. Um, I hike a lot. Of, I live in Colorado Springs now, and I hike a lot of mountains, and I and I like to play disc golf, and I like to coach my sons, and and I also like not coaching my sons. I like just being able to go watch their games when I when I can, or you know they play music. You know, just watching my kids do things is 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 definitely something I enjoy. Next time somebody's in the Colorado Springs area, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Yeah, so. That's a tough question. Um, I will say that the town is going wild right now because In-N-Out has arrived. Um, I think the the line at first was something like 12 hours. I think it's down to under two hours if you want to get your animal style. Um, so, But I don't recommend that. Um, no. I would say uh, one of my favorite places is called Front Range Barbecue. It's a it's a little hole that was on uh, diners and drive-ins or whatever that show is, and uh, yeah, I really I really like that place. Gotcha. If anybody had any uh, questions for you, wanted to follow up with you, would be the best way to do it. Oh, I'm easy to find. Um, you can find my contact info on cosida.com. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, just search for my name. You'll find me. Gotcha. Well, Bo, thank you very much for being a part of season four of SIDcast. We all really do appreciate it. David, what you do is awesome, and I, I really appreciate the chance to talk to you today. Thank you.